Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, as I give the, the charge this morning. Of course, we have the qualifications there in 1 Timothy, but Acts chapter 6 gives us the institution of the office of deacon. So uh, when the early church, when they first founded this office of deacon, uh, is here in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. So if you found your place there in Acts chapter 6, 1 through 7, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected. neglected in the daily distribution and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables therefore brothers pick out from among you seven men of good repute full of the, the spirit and of wisdom whom we will appoint to this duty but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. You may be seated. You know, one key strategy used to defeat any enemy is to cut off the enemy's supply line. You cut off the the beans, the bullets, and the band-aids, right? You cut off the beans, the food, uh, and the water, keep them, get them hungry. You cut off their bullets, no more ammunition. You cut off the band-aids, their medical supplies, and given time, you will defeat that enemy. Now, I signed up for the Marine Corps in in 91. I graduated high school in 91 and signed up for the Marine Corps. That was, uh, for many of y'all, y'all remember, that was during the time of Desert Storm. And so my unit that I eventually made it to, they were in Desert Storm when I was going through training and all of that kind of stuff, but I got to talk to a lot of those guys, and and they they told me stories about being out there in the desert, and and they would be sitting there looking across this big, massive desert in front of them, and and all of a sudden they would see a little image there on the horizon, and and that image would get closer and closer and closer, and, and eventually they learned that it were these were enemy soldiers and they said this was a common occurrence that these enemy soldiers would come across the desert waving their white flag why because the US forces had done a great job of cutting off their supply line and they were out there in the desert with no food no water no resupply of their ammunition and so they gave up willingly 
the Iraqi soldiers just gave up willingly because they had cut off their supplies. They, they needed food. They needed water to survive. And so they gave up the fight. Well, you know, in the church, Satan understands this very strategy. He understands this strategy, and he understands it well. And the church, the, the, the beans, bullets, and the band-aids for the church is the preaching and teaching of God's Word. That's what nourishes us. We are nourished by the Word of God spoken and preached and, and proclaimed in the church. We're, we're nourished by, by uh, prayer. And so Satan understands if he can get a busy pastorate, if he can busy up the pastor with so many extra uh, tasks, right, the ordinary uh, administrative task of the church, if he can get him so busy that he neglects the preaching of the word and prayer, then he can conquer a church. And you know, when we look at, a, at churches across America today, what we see so often is we see an anemic church for that very reason. Because pastors get so busy with other things and neglect the most important thing, the thing that they're called to do primarily, and that is the preaching of the word and prayer. Now, I praise God here at First Bastrop, I haven't had that problem because I have an outstanding deacon ministry and a, a bunch of good deacons who make sure they protect my time and they, they do their job. They serve this church well and allow me that time to prepare and to preach and to pray, and I'm thankful for that. And, Zach, that's the, that's the community you are coming into. You're coming into a community of men who serve this church so very well. And so today, as we look at the deacon ministry, I want us to consider who the deacons are. We see in this text, we see what they do, but we also see who they are. What kind of character makes up a deacon? So I want us to see in this text today three, three characteristics, general characteristics of a faithful deacon and we, see, we find out this in, in our text. Faithful deacons are men of Christ-like character who serve for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. Let me say that again. Faithful deacons are men of Christ-like character who serve for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. And so today we see these three overarching characteristics of a faithful deacon and I'm going to be flipping back and forth between Acts chapter 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 3 so if you want to put your put a finger in each spot uh, we'll be flipping back and forth but as we begin now let's see the first characteristic of a faithful deacon a faithful deacon is morally reputable a faithful deacon is morally reputable that is he is a man of honor a man of integrity. Notice what it says here in verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among yourselves seven men of good repute. Of good repute. That, that term there, good repute, it kind of keys in on their moral character. These are men of good moral reputation. They are upright men, known to be upright men. 
in the church and even in the community and in, in broad. So they are to be men of morally, they are to be men who are morally reputable. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, flipping over to 1 Timothy, let's break it down. Paul there breaks it down for us a little bit. Now, uh, these are not, uh, these, these, this is kind of a broad stroke here, right? So uh, not everything that we could include in being morally reputable is here, but, but it kind of gives us an idea. Here in 1 Timothy 3, 8, he says deacons likewise must be dignified, that is morally reputable. They're to be dignified, not double-tongued. In other words, deacons are to be sincere. They are sincere. Uh, they're not double-tongued. Uh, they don't lie, right? They don't make a habit of lying. Uh, you can trust what they say. They don't say one thing and mean another. Oh, we see this a lot in our society, don't we? We see that kind of double tongue going on in society. We see in politics especially, we, we know this, politicians are, are known a lot of times for being double tongue because uh, sometimes politicians, the bad politicians anyway, will, will tell you what you want to hear, right? If they know you want to hear uh, that, that we need more gun control, they're going to say, oh, yes, we're going to need more gun control. If they're, they know that you are for, uh, you know, the right to bear arms, they're going to say, oh, yeah, we want to protect that right to bear arms. But then what they do in office might be completely different, right? They're double-tongued. They tell you what you want to hear to your face, but then go off and do something else altogether uh, once they actually get involved and do the action, take action on the matter. And that's double-tongued. Well, a deacon cannot be double-tongued. He is a, one who is sincere in what he says. That doesn't mean he's going to tell you what you want to hear necessarily. He's going to tell you the truth. He's going to be honest and upfront with you. He'll be gentle and kind in, in that. There, there has to be that. But he's going to be sincere. It also means he... he cares in what he says it's not just about taking care of himself but he he really is concerned about about you and and your needs and he's sincere in his communication with you so being morally upright or morally reputable means he is sincere it also means that he is temperate he is temperate Notice there, going on along there, he's not double-tongued, and he's not addicted to much wine. He's not addicted to much wine. Now, of course, we have this in mind, that when we say not addicted to much wine, he's not a drunk, right? Uh, but, but it's really more than just that. It, it has more to do with his attitude in life than it has to do necessarily with specifically uh, drinking alcohol. Right? Drinking alcohol is one of those things. He's not one who is a drunkard, not addicted to much wine. Uh, but that also says something about the rest of his life as well. He, he's temperate in all matters. He's not addicted to anything. Right? He, he is one who is temperate. He, he's not given to excess, swinging from this excess to that excess, but he is temperate. He is balanced. He is, he's temperate. 
And so he is, morally speaking, he is temperate. He's not given to much wine. He's not addicted to drugs. He's not addicted to alcohol. He's not addicted to all of these things that, that we can be addicted to, but he is balanced. He is temperate in his dealings with the things of this world. He's temperate. So he's sincere and temperate. And, and third, he is trustworthy. A deacon is one who is trustworthy. He is sober-minded. Got off on the wrong track here. He's not addicted to much wine and not greedy for dishonest gain. He is not greedy for dishonest gain. He is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. Now, this is very important for the office of deacon because deacons are often uh, dealing with the, the finances of the church, spending money here and there to help... Uh, the people in the church, they're, they're engaged in, in the stewardship of the church, you know, taking care of the material possessions of the church, making sure everything is in order. And, and so that's important that they are not greedy for much gain, right? They're trustworthy. You can trust them with your wallet. All right, you can give a deacon your wallet, and when you come back and he gives it back to you, he, there's not going to be money missing out of it. He's not greedy for much gain or he's not greedy for for money and so he's someone who is trustworthy someone that the people of the church can trust with the the purse strings of the church if you will and so he is trustworthy he is trustworthy a deacon is sincere temperate trustworthy and fourth he is chaste he is chaste we get this in the lower section of this, this text here in, in, in 1 Timothy. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. Let the deacons be the husband of one wife. Now, there's a lot of controversy about what this exactly means. Uh, I grew up in a tradition that, that said that, you know, it was one wife period in your whole lifetime. So if you've ever been divorced, then, then you can't be a deacon I'm not sure that's quite the, the right translation anymore after further study. Uh, it seems to me that it's the deacon of one wife means he is, he is faithful to one woman. He is faithful to one woman. He is faithful to his wife. Now, and generally speaking, because not all deacons are married, right? Zach's not married. He, he's He's still a young man, ha hasn't found the, the, the right woman for him yet, but he's not married. But, so what is this, how does this apply to him? It means that he's chaste. He's not sexually promiscuous. He's not chasing, chasing women and going wild and all of those kinds of things, right? He's chaste. He's, he's sexually pure. He's looking for that woman that God has for him. And until he finds her, he is going to remain sexually pure. And that's the way it is for all deacons. Deacons are to be sexually pure. If they're married, then they're devoted to their wife. And they're not looking out, they're not, eyes aren't going here and there and yonder and chasing other women, but they are devoted to their wife. They are the husband of one wife. And if they're single, then, hey, they're looking for that woman. If, if the, God is leading them to marriage, they're looking for that woman that God has for them, and, and they're not looking to chase skirts and all of that kind of thing. 
Right? They're chaste. They're morally and sexually pure and want to remain that way. That's their desire. They want to live for Christ, and so they're going to keep themselves pure for Christ. That's what we see in that, that being the husband of one wife. Deacons are chaste. They are chaste. They're one-woman one man. One-woman man. So deacons are morally reputable. They are morally reputable. They're sincere. They're temperate. They're trustworthy. They're chaste. We could add other characteristics under this heading of morally uh, reputable, but that gives us a good idea. These are men who, who are respected, who are morally upright, and who live that kind of life, not just here before the church, but even outside the church as they, they have dealings with people in the world. Second, Deacons are spiritually mature. They are spiritually mature. Flipping back over to Acts 6, it says there that a deacon, uh, they were to pick out men full of the Spirit. Men who are full of the Spirit. What does this mean, being full of the Spirit? Well, I think it means being spiritually mature. When you think about we as Christians, we as Christians, each and every one of us, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, because we live in the New Testament era, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, each Christian has the Holy Spirit in them. He moves in. He comes in and he dwells within us. But Scripture talks about being full of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not something necessarily different because we all have the same amount of the Holy Spirit in us. But when Scripture talks about being full full of the Holy Spirit, that means that that person is spiritually, uh, spiritually submissive. He is spiritually submissive and he's spiritually surrendered to the Holy Spirit. He is surrendered to the Holy Spirit and submissive to the Holy Spirit's guidance in his life. Uh, that's key here. Because each and every one of, of us have the Spirit in us, but as we give in to the Spirit, as we allow the Spirit to work in our lives and to guide us along our, our, our path, right? Uh, the Spirit becomes more and more evident in us. And that's what we see in the difference between a mature Christian and an immature Christian. Immature Christians, they, they haven't got it yet. They're still kind of figuring things out, and, and they haven't learned how to, to truly fully give themselves to the Holy Spirit. But one who is spiritually mature has surrendered themselves to the guidance of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so the Spirit becomes more evident in their life. And so we can say, as Scripture says, they're filled with the Spirit. Everyone has the Spirit, but as we grow in Christ and learn to give ourselves more to the, the Spirit's guidance, we can say we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So a deacon is to to be spiritually surrendered. He's to be spiritually surrendered. But it also means that he is to be uh, biblically minded or, or bibli have biblical knowledge. He is to be biblically informed, right? He's to be biblically informed. This is part of being, being filled with the Holy Spirit, part of, of uh, growing in maturity in Christ. Flipping back over to 1 Timothy here. We see this evident in 3, 9. 
they must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They are to hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They have to understand the mystery of the faith. They have to understand the Word of God and how it's unfolded in Jesus Christ. That's really what the mystery of the faith is, that Christ fulfills the Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah who would come. They understand that. They're, they're versed in that. They have that knowledge and understanding. And so a deacon, I believe, shouldn't be a new convert. A deacon shouldn't be a new convert. A deacon should be someone who has had time to grow in the Word of God, who understands the Word of God, and has, they can hold to the profession of the faith, the mystery of the faith, with a clear conscience. They are biblically informed. doesn't mean that they have to, have, they have to be scholars in the Bible. No, that's not what it means. That's not what it means at all, but... They've had time to, to grow in it and understand at least the very basics about Scripture. And they're continuing to grow in their knowledge of Scripture. So they are spiritually mature. They are not new converts, but they, they've had time to grow in the faith at least to some degree. They're spiritually surrendered, and that is evident in their life, and they're biblically informed. They are students of God's Word. So deacons, a faithful deacon is morally reputable. He is spiritually mature. And third, he is administratively capable. He is administratively capable. Back to Acts chapter 6. Uh, a deacon is to be full of wisdom. He is to be full of wisdom. Now what is wisdom? Wisdom and knowledge are two different things, right? Knowledge is, is just head knowledge, right? It's having information stored away in your head. You've got a lot of, you've, you've learned a lot of things. You're a man of learning, right? You've had, you've had some learning. You've got knowledge in the head. But wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is knowledge applied. It's able to take the knowledge you have in your head and apply it to life. And a deacon is to be one who is full of wisdom now in first timothy paul puts it like this he is to be one who has managed his own household well he manages his own household well uh, he's proven himself to be wise he has that that wisdom he's able to know have the knowledge in his head and apply it to life and he has managed his whole household well and so a deacon is to be administratively capable. That means he has proven, he is a proven manager. He is a proven manager. He has managed his own household well, whether he has a wife and children or, or he is a single man like Zach. He is, he, he's shown that he can manage his own household well. He, he takes care of his own finances. He takes care of his bills. He, he does those things. He, he has shown himself to be a, a manager. Why? Again, because deacons, they have to manage things in the church. They're responsible for administrative duties within the church. The early church, the first church in Acts chapter 6, we see that. That was the whole purpose for the deacons being established. Here the church was, they had all things in common. They had sold off all their land. This was the early church. They had sold off all their land and all their possessions, and they had all things in common. They had put everything in one pot, in other words. And so out of that, they were distributing to the widows. 
taking care of the widows because Scripture tells us that we are to care for the, the orphans and the widows. And so they were taking care of the widows, but there were this group of widows who were getting neglected, the Greek speakers, the ones who were not born in Jerusalem. They were born out in, in the world, out there in the Roman Empire somewhere. And later in life, they, they moved to Jerusalem. They were Greek speakers, and this happened a lot in the first century. The Greek speakers... Greek-speaking Jews, a lot of times they would want to make that journey home to Jerusalem so that when they got old and died, they could be buried in the holy city. That was a desire for them. And so they moved there, the husband dies, and now you have all of these Greek-speaking widows there in Jerusalem. And now you have some of them have, who have converted to Christianity, and they're among the other the widows there in the church, but they're getting neglected. They're getting neglected. And so, what do they do? They establish deacons to take care of them, to manage the, the resources of the church, to make sure that all the, the widows, the Hebrew-speaking widows, along with the Greek-speaking widows, all got taken care of equally. And so that's a, a duty of the, the deacons. We don't quite have it like that in our church today, but, but still deacons have to be administrators. They're, they're taking resources of the church, and they're, they're going out to help our widows and, and those who are sick and, and our church members who need help from time to time. They're going out. They've got to be managers of the resources of the church. So a deacon should be a proven manager. He should be one who, who has shown responsibility in his own life. He's to be a proven manager, but he's also to be a proven servant. He has to be a proven servant. He has to be a servant, and that's found in the name deacon itself. In Acts chapter 6, it says there, uh, it is not right, this is, this is verse 2, it is not right that we should give up preaching to the Word of God to serve tables. That is the Greek word diakon, diakoneo, diakoneo, the verb form of diakonos in, in the Greek. And, and so it's not right for us to, to give up the preaching of the Word to go serve tables, to diakono tables. And so they're establishing this office. By the time Paul writes 1 Timothy, the office has been established. And so he just says outright, deacons, diakonos, deacons likewise, deacons, diakonos. Uh, really, I mean, if we want to translate this literally, he would say servants likewise. Servants likewise, because that's what a deacon is. A deacon is a servant. He is a servant. He is one who has a heart of service. I want to serve the people of our church and serve them well. Oh, I'm thankful for our deacons here who serve the church well. We have the deacon family ministry where our deacons, they, each deacon is assigned uh, families, and, and the deacons have the responsibility of, of checking in on those families, making sure everything is well with those families. And if, if not, then they, they report back to us, and, and, and we make a plan. And, and the deacons, a lot of times, they'll make a plan to go out, all right, we need to go do such and such for this person. They, they, they need their, their hedges trimmed, and so we need to go trim their hedge, or, or they need a light replaced, so we need to go replace this light. And the deacons have done so well of serving our families. And that's what a deacon is. He is a servant of the church. So he has to have a heart of service. And that heart of service needs to be proven. 
That's why Paul says in, in 1 Timothy there that he is to, to be proven. There's a time of, of testing that, that he has to, to show himself to hold these qualifications. This is something that takes a little time, and the church observes that and say, oh, yes, I recognize it and, and that person. And that's what we're doing today. We're saying we see that in Zach. Zach, the church has seen these characteristics in you. They've seen your servant heart. They've seen how you, you've gotten involved in the church and use your managerial skills here in the church. And so we're recognizing him as a deacon. And all deacons should keep these characteristics in mind and work on them to, to hone them and continue to, to build those skills and even those characteristics here in the church. And as a deacon serves, he serves the people because then we know the people are getting taken care of. They're being loved by a man of the church, looked after, but also the deacons serve the pastor so that the pastor then can, is free to, to do what he's been called to do, to preach and pray for the church. And so we see what takes place when when deacons do what they're called to do here in, in Acts 6. When these seven men were appointed and when they took off and they served the church as God had called them to serve the church, what took place? Verse 7 says, And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. The gospel went out. The gospel was proclaimed, and the church continued to grow in number as they were able to preach the gospel freely without any hindrances. Oh, the deacon ministry is a faithful and a much-needed ministry. And I'm thankful for the deacons we have here and the ministry that they do here. And I'm thankful that we have Zach coming into that number, being one of them to serve and so my charge to you today, Zach, and all of the other deacons of this church is to strive to maintain moral integrity in your life. Maintain sincerity, temperance, trustworthiness, and chastity in all of your dealings, both inside and outside of the church. Strive for spiritual maturity. The church has recognized a certain level of maturity in you, Zach. However, never be satisfied in your walk with the Lord. Strive to know more about Christ and His Word. Strive to grow in Christ-likeness every day. Strive to sharpen your administrative skills. Being always willing to serve wherever the Lord leads you to serve and as you see the needs of the church demand it now all of this as we think about these characteristics deacons and zach and all of you all of you men when you see hear these characteristics i imagine you're a little overwhelmed because as we begin to hear these characteristics read as we we talk about them say man i'm not as sincere as i should be Oh, I don't know if I'm as trustworthy as they think I am. 
And when we begin to hear these characteristics and we begin to, to measure ourselves by these characteristics, we think, oh, that's not me. If they only knew. But I want you to know there was only one perfect, only one perfect man who met all of these characteristics with absolute perfection, only one, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear deacon, you're not called to be Christ. You're called to be Christ-like. You're called to strive to be like Christ, knowing that in this life of living in the flesh, you're going to fail. You know that. We know that. And when you fail, we're going to love you and forgive you and lift you up and get you on your feet and get you going again. Dear friend, Dear deacon, as you strive to live, live like Christ, lean on Christ. Lean into him. Uh, let him be the power that pushes you and, and carries you through. And when you fail, lean on Christ. Let him pick you up. Let him love you back to health. And let us as a church lift you up and help you continue in your walk. Oh, church, I challenge you to pray for Zach and pray for the, all the deacons of this church. Pray for them. The job that God has called them to is an important job. It's an imperative job for the advancement of the kingdom of God in Morehouse Parish. Pray for them. Lift them up daily so that they will have the power of God behind them as they serve you. Now today I know is a different kind of service and my whole focus today has been mostly on deacons because this is a deacon ordination. And so my charge to them, my application today is mainly for them, but perhaps you are here, and today you don't know Jesus. I don't want to let a day go by that someone doesn't have a chance to give their heart and their life to Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't know, have a relationship with him, I want you to know that if you die without Christ in your life, that you are going to die and you're going to go to judgment and you're going to spend eternity in hell. That's what Scripture tells us. And today, maybe even you feel that. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you so much that he stepped down off of his throne in glory and he came to this world and he lived and he died for you so that you might have life in him. And today, if you'll trust in him, give your life to him, surrender to him, he will save you. Let today be the day of salvation. Turn to Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, today I, I thank you for the deacon ministry of First Bastrop and all that they do for the advancement of your kingdom here in Bastrop and Morehouse Parish and, and to the ends of the earth. And I thank you for Zach as, as he's being called to this ministry, called to this office. Oh, such an important office to be called to, Lord. 
And Lord, I've just observed him and seen your work already in him. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in his life, grow him. And Lord, give him the, the power and the strength to bear the burden of the office that you're laying upon his shoulders. Oh, Lord, if there's any today who do not know you, Lord, I pray that you would somehow impress it on their hearts today the importance of knowing you and giving their life to you. Oh, Lord, save them today, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.